Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Alan Highland of Highland Build. Alan has a combined 20 plus years of construction experience and his upbringing centered around the customer service industry to develop his vision for Highland Build. His experience in high-end trim carpentry in cutting-edge residential projects throughout Palo Alto and Pacific Heights in the San Francisco Bay Area and in Aspen, Colorado, became the foundation of Highland Build's commitment to high-end quality construction and above and beyond customer service. Now for my conversation with Alan Highland. Hey, Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Yeah, I'm excited to do this. Yeah, let everyone know, who are you, what's the company, and where are you located? So my name is Alan Highland. Company name is Highland Build, and we're based in the city of San Francisco. And all our work is pretty much within the city, maybe a little bit outside, depending on. And we focus mainly on residential remodeling. Right on. How'd you get into construction? How did I get into construction? That's a good question. Got to go back a few years for that one. There was no clear plan to get in. I was brought up in Ireland, came over here on a summer visa. And the plan was just to work for for a couple of months and got a job with a guy who's actually from my hometown. I never met him back there and just got started putting on vinyl siding and didn't know what was in store for me. Anyways, had that, yeah, that first summer, a couple of months just got started, went traveling for the year. The plan was to come back and go back home, go go do a computer course. In my head, I thought I'm going to be stuck in a cubicle. And after backpacking for a year, it was like the, the, the worst case scenario. I didn't realize like the cool Googles of the world and Facebooks were coming <laughs> out and office jobs are going to be cool and, you know, open open space and all that. So I decided I'd come back to San Francisco and I, I had a few contacts and yeah, I just kind of got rolling from there and traveled a few different places. And one amazing thing about construction is you can take it anywhere and it's it's probably one of the easiest industries to kind of get a start. So that was kind of what kept me going. and. There was never a clear plan of, okay, you're going to start a construction company. It just, one thing leads to another, to another. And here I am today. So yeah. Yeah. So when, when was that when you kind of settled down in San Francisco and you were, you know, getting the the construction company going? I suppose that was about, I'm going to say maybe about five years ago, I think five or seven years ago, I would say. So I kind of started my own thing for, for a couple of years. And, you know, kind of coming up in the trades, I'm sure you hear it all the time, you know, the, the, the skills that you have as a carpenter, converting it to a business owner is like apples and oranges, but mm-hmm. in your head as the carpenter, hey, I'm the one who does all the work. The, the, the business owner is he's just sitting in the office doing nothing. And so you think you can do it. And yeah, I just got started and, you know, you kind of learn by, by doing. And then I partnered up with a, with a friend of mine, a fellow contractor, and we, we partnered together for a couple of years and then went our separate ways. So 
you know, as you say, it's just it's the, the journey just keeps changing and it kind of gets you to where you, where you need to be at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So when you about five years ago, when you kind of separated from your partner and said, Hey, I'm doing my own thing. What was that first first year like? It was because we had, yeah, I'd done a couple of years myself. And it was, you know, a very small project. It's like anything you're getting started very small project. And that's what you need as well. Because you take on a big one, you think it's like, Oh, it, it was it's even to this day, it's like you think the big projects, I think now I'm mature enough to realize the big project could sink you more than push you forward. And so back then it was like, oh, if I could just get these better projects and get this and that, now everything would be better. And you're kind of chasing your tail. And of course, you're 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 doing the work, but the whole office scene and the business area of things is just you're, you're just not even working on it whatsoever. I'm very slowly kind of realizing, oh wow, that's equally important, if not more important. And so it was, it was tough. You know, I had, I had a I've got a three-year-old kid as well. And so a lot of a lot of moving parts, purchasing a house, and it was just like a bit of stress there, you know, and then we had this thing called COVID not so long ago. So yeah, definitely, you know, sometimes not knowing what's ahead is is a great thing because you look back and it's like, oh, why would I do all that again? And it's like, I don't know, but it kind of pushes you like tough things definitely push you forward and and, and makes you, you know, kind of builds a stronger base. So, 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How did you get your first few projects? I think it was just true. You know, coming up in the trays, I knew other contractors who either kind of branched off and things like that. And I think in the early stages, I, I got kind of lucky with a few leftover projects from other contractor friends that kind of turned into better projects than they had anticipated. Mm. And between that and then a few architects that I worked with over the years as well, that either they had branched off or smaller projects and things like that. I think that was the, the few smaller ones. And then I think as it grows and a little bit kind of referrals and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. If you're just kind of scraping, you're you're willing to take anything. And I mean, the other side of it is not knowing anything about marketing or trying to sell or, or presenting yourself or even having a I only got a website or anything like that. And so it was like, I don't know how I expected to bring in business. It just it never dawned on me. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. When you put the business owner hat on, suddenly it's like, oh, there's marketing, there's sales. Then there's the actual thing that I thought I was doing, which is the delivery. And then, yeah, there's all the admin and paperwork. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah the delivery is only a small part of it. And you have all these other pieces. And uh, yeah, kind of, you, you think going into it, like the deliverables are, are kind of all of it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. What do you think has been one of the toughest things about running your own business? I think one thing that is you struggle with regular, I find I've struggled with, and I've talked to other contractors, and especially in this field, you know, even other trade partners, is you know, just just the the kind of just that journey, just that journey up and down. One week you're thinking, okay, where am I going to send my guys? The next week you're thinking, oh my god, I need to hire more guys, and it's just every week it changes. You know, permits get delayed, and you had what you laid out. You think your next month, two months, six months are, are kind of planned out. And there's just so many things that are out of your control. And so it's just, it's a tough industry. And, you know, with COVID and everything and, and some of the lead times and windows and things just taking longer. And so it's just continuous. Someone, you know, yeah, it's 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 homeowners making different decisions and making changes. And I'd say that's the toughest part. Keeping guys busy, making sure they're kind of staying busy and staying just efficient on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's always challenges and things to be dealt with, but on the flip side, like what keeps you going? What gets you fired up about running your own company? Good question. After t- thinking about all those things, you know, um, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's just all of it together. I, I, I think I just enjoy a little bit of that 
chaos too in, in a certain way and everything is kind of manageable and then as well as that like one thing I've I've noticed you know and I've done a fair amount of like business development and working on those areas that I didn't even know I needed to work on and seeing other comp- companies like I'm, I'm part of a group where we we meet from all around the country and one thing I've realized is all these different companies are an extension of the owners and it's kind of like you know growing your business is almost like you got to grow yourself as well and so it's just a fantastic challenge and so it's like, yeah, there's definitely, you know, just being a business owner and then being in construction, it has its own headaches in itself. But at the same time, it's like, well, what else would you be doing? You know, you kind of, I don't know if we're getting addicted to it, but you kind of enjoy all the moving parts. And yeah, it's it's almost the negatives are also the positive in some ways as well, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think, yeah, the variety of it is probably an element of that, just being able to span across different knowledge bases and activities and yeah and then the personal growth i think like you said just it's endless right so there's always stuff you can be working on and improving yourself and then the company so yeah that's cool tell me a little bit about your sales process you said early on you hadn't really thought about like marketing or how to present yourself and you know selling i find that everyone does a little bit differently what's your process been i guess it's a good question and do I have a clear process? I mean, I've done some Sandler training anyways and try to follow that. I mean, I think it's, you know, when you're offering a good product, I think it's the best way to go about it. And especially where, you know, oftentimes people don't value the the time of the contractor. And so it kind of, it just makes sure that you're you're talking to the people who actually want what you're offering. And, you know, it just it gets clearer in your own head as well. So I've kind of followed that a certain amount. One thing I'd, I'd also say is, you know, our... I thought that I have is like, if you can sell and you can hire, you're going to have a successful company. You know, these other things like, you know, hire well, a lot of people can pick up the pieces and then if you can sell, you know, keep those guys busy. And so it has been a a pretty big focus for me to, to, to work on that. And just, I think, I mean, I used to always think that sales was a dirty word until you're like, well, you're not trying to, it's not that kind of, you know, slick salesman type of sales. So it definitely has been a an evolution, shall we say. I would also say, you know, having a young kid as well, and like <laughs> everything is sales. It's what you start realizing. Mm-hmm. And using some of these things that you've learned in, in construction as well. It's like, oh my God, you gotta you gotta use it on your kids sometimes, you know? So it's just quite funny. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize that yeah, it's not sleazy or slick. It's really you're just, hey, can I solve a problem for this person? You know, can I do I offer what they need? Is this a match? And then you know, you move forward. And obviously, it's an oversimplification of it, but you're really just trying to solve problems for people. So and I just say it's like you're talking huge amounts of money as well. And just to get someone to sign a construction contract, it's like it's such a huge undertaking. And then making sure, you know, you could spend all your time talking to the wrong people. And just getting clear on that, and you're wasting their time as well as you know just on, on both sides. So I do think it's it is definitely very important on on many levels. And then the other thing is it's just transferable all through your life on on so many levels. And yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you didn't know, we're also on YouTube. Just search Builder Funnel TV and we have some exclusive content that we share over there that doesn't always make it onto the podcast. But otherwise, let's get back to the show. What do you think makes you guys a unique in your marketplace? Everybody kind of has something, you know, that they're presenting to their clients or prospects. How do how do you guys position that? Good, that's a good question and I think we've kind of kept doing the same thing and I've kind of 
as I say, it's kind of an evolution of how I've thought about it as well. And so I think, you know, you're getting started off and you're getting kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of getting the scraps and not as big a projects and things like that. And then you're kind of building relationships with architects and, and they're introducing to, to different projects. And I think where we've kind of found our sweet spot is, you know, I've got a base in, in the trades myself. Oftentimes it's not the case in construction. You know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But then also having that, you know, like a, a relatively tight business. And, you know, my main guy as well, he was a carpenter with me like 15 odd years ago. That's where I met him initially. And so having that really good quality of work. And then I think a big thing that gets a lot of contractors in trouble is just the level of communication. You know, mm. I just, I think that's where the, the biggest breakdown is. And so keeping on top of the communication level. So for what we offer and the process and the experience of the homeowner um, and keeping like overheads as as tight as as possible as well, uh, I think all that combined, it's just like you're just offering that sweet spot in there where we're not competing against these huge companies, slightly smaller projects, but they're requiring like a high level of skill. And that's kind of where our sweet spot has kind of been carved out. And I think it just my my eyes were opened on uh, you know looking at a project with a few other contractors recently and it was an, uh, this architect that i've been talking to for many many years and finally introduced to a project and you know the the, the homeowners are, are really nice as well to work with and understanding is like okay this is the level of what they were looking for as well and hey we were coming in as the lowest bidder which was unusual for us mm-hmm. and i was kind of making the argument of why we we're going to be more expensive and now it's like, it's, a, it's so funny. It's like the trust issue of like, hey, we're the low bidder. So why are you low? And it's now, <laughs> it's a whole different set of questions they're going to yeah. have. So that's what I realized is, okay, this is our sweet spot. It's like these higher end jobs, but maybe not as big as as what some other contractors are going after. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's always good to f- find where you can kind of separate yourself. Yeah, and I think that that example also makes me think of when you start to get into different price brackets. Yeah, if you're the... The low guy, people are almost like, well, what's wrong with this, right? Because they were expecting it to be so much higher. So yeah, just knowing where you fit in and then being able to nail, you know, the pricing and the delivery and what the client is expecting. And when that all comes together, it, uh, yeah, then you're rocking and rolling. So <laughs> I know, I mean, it was one of these things where I, I, we talked to the client and the architect was included. And afterwards, I just shot an email off. Said, okay, you know, based on that conversation, it sounded like I came in and I was the highest. And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, you know, you were the lowest. And I was like, huh. Oh, cool. Great. Was like, oh, is that good or bad? Hold on a second. I don't even know what way to think about that. Yeah. But it just, as I said, it kind of opened my eyes to, to, to that whole, you know, who you're competing against and, and where you see yourself as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, shifting gears a little bit in construction, there's always like crazy projects, wacky client stories, like something a little bit unique or off the wall. Anything coming to mind that you can share with us? A lot I can't share. <laughs> you can obviously leave out names and, and no, 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 no. There hasn't been anything too crazy, I suppose. I, I will say, you know, you know, I, I think getting started and when you're on the tools yourself a lot more so. There's been there's been more situations or, or things that came up. But I just remember one of my early jobs that I got. It was my first actually, as it happens, it was like the first day was actually September 11th. But I went in there and you know sold myself as a carpenter, and I only had minimal experience at this stage you know apprentice best case scenario here but anyways you know, your your new job is like okay it's a clean slate no one knows and you can talk the talk so i went in there and you know it was one of these things where i was like well listen you know what anytime they offer me anything i'm just gonna just yes i can for sure i can do it and i was kind of going in there pick up framing it wasn't too complicated but anyways and i thought i'd them all fooled should i say that i kept the job on anyways 
And I remember meeting the contractor like years later. And I was like, you know, I've always wondered like, why did you guys keep me on? You know, I mean, I, I didn't have too many skills. And he just starts laughing. He's like, dude, when we showed you, when, when we saw you show up with some of those tools that you had, I think I'd pick them up at like a secondhand store <laughs> or something coming in. Then we saw the tools that you had. It's like, we knew you weren't up to much, but you know, you were kind of willing to do the work and all that. And so it was just one of those things. It's like, I ended up working with those guys for quite a few years after that as well. And, you know, seeing him then years, years later, but it just, I look back on it and I was like, of course, you know, it's so obvious when you don't have a clue what you're doing, you're, you're like a, you stick out like a sore thumb, you know, on a job site. So that, I just always think back on that. And that's pretty funny. Yeah. It's also, I feel like that's very entrepreneurial, which is like, I don't, know if I can do this or how to do it, but I know I, I'm going to figure it out and I'll find a way and I'll uh, like the intention is right. Right. It wasn't like you were going in there trying to, you know, scam somebody or do the wrong thing. It was just like, Hey, I, I really want to get into this zone. And so I, I've got good intentions. I'm going to, and I feel like that's what a lot of entrepreneurship is like, wow, I've never taken on a project at 500,000 or a million or whatever that next stage is. But it's like, well, but I've done these other ones and I have the right intention. I want to deliver for the customer and do a good job. And so, yeah, anyway, I think that's a cool story. It just shows like, I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurship is just like pushing into that uncomfortable zone. And then you make some mistakes, but then it's like, well, now I know how to do that. That's, that's true. And then the other side of it too, is, you know, you kind of, you bring some things to the table that sometimes you don't credit yourself with, you know, is what I realized. There's certain things like, you know, always willing to do work that was like, oh, the other guys would be kind of, you know, they're really good carpenters. And it's like, they just, they don't want to be dealing with some of this stuff where I was like, heck yeah, you're paying me to, you know, to be here and showing up and, you know, being presentable and a few things like that. So yeah, I look back on it, but <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was a, that was a not very skilled time of my life anyways. I'll say that. Much, so. uh, no, that's all good. I, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that one. I guess fast forward to today. What do you think is one of the, the bigger challenges in the business? What are you guys working on trying to solve or next evolution? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I, I've been watching plenty of, of talk about AI just coming in general, you know, and it's like, you got one side saying, yeah, it's the end of humanity versus whatever else. And so you know, with, for construction and, you know, being here in San Francisco, this guy that I know, he sent me, he put me in contact with a friend of his who's using robotics to hang drywall at the moment. Mm. So it's like, oh man, I want to connect with this guy and just, just to hear what's happening, what's going on out there. And so it's like, it's hard to know. I always think of it too, that, you know, a lot of these, it seems like that, you know, chat GBT and all that stuff is going to replace, you know, a, a different type of the kind of, the worker that was supposed to be safe. And so it seems like in construction, we have a little bit more time anyways, but there are going to be huge disruptions. It's, it's just so hard to know. One thing that I kind of grapple with myself anyways is, you know, we're all working in construction. All my guys work in, in construction, but the possibility of owning a house in the Bay Area is just, it's almost unattainable. You know, I mean, just the prices are just off the charts and even in general, but working in construction, it's very difficult. I'm trying to figure out a way of like how to bridge that gap. You know, something I've done a little bit of real estate investing and things like that. And it's like, if there's a way to kind of bridge that for them and, and keep them, you know, give them that potential future some way. So that's something that I've been trying to think about and whether it's, you know, out of state investing or something, some of these areas that it's just tragic that the guys who are actually building the houses can't afford to, to, to buy their own house. So yeah. that's something I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yes. But as regards to the industry, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, just life is, especially being here in San Francisco as well, 
and the amount of change and, and everything that's going on, you know, as an industry, we're slow to change, but mm-hmm. it's coming. So it's I, I coming. Think, yeah. It's yeah. coming quick. Yeah. Well, and then I guess just for, for your company, what's the, the vision over the next like three to five years? Are you guys trying to just get better and better at what you're doing now? Or do you have some growth goals or different plans or what's on the horizon? Yeah, it's a good question. Good question. I know there's plenty of remodel work in the city. You know, we we actually purchased an investment property not so long ago, and then there's a bit of land with it as well. And so, you know, we're, we're remodeling the, the house itself, and then there's room to split the lot and everything. And, you know, whether we kind of go down that road a little bit more, it it kind of offers, it just offers options, I suppose. And mm. you know, especially what, what we talked about earlier, the challenges of, okay, where, where are the guys going to be? I need to hire extra guys. I think it'll offer a little bit more, you know, consistency to that as well, if it's kind of our own project. And um, that's what I think in my head. But of course, you're going to be doing this house and it's like, okay, you got to get it done tomorrow. If it's going to be sold, it's got to be sold as quickly as possible. But I think it'll just offer a little bit more where, you know, it doesn't have to be running super, super efficiently. And it just gives a little bit of room where you keep the guys continuously working away. And, you know, so that's something as well that, that I see in the future. And then it just kind of construction anyways, a lot of it is referrals and things like that. And it kind of happens organically that you kind of grow a certain amount. So I think you know, we've had a long run of it. What's coming down the pike, you know, I know all this talk of interest rates and everything and, you know, some sort of a recession happening in the construction industry. We haven't really seen it, but we're such a small company. It can always get skewed quite easily. So yeah, it's, it's you know, I don't know. There's plenty of things that keep me up at night, but uh, it's hard yeah. to what to focus on to keep me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know, it's so tough to predict the future. And yeah, with technology moving as fast as it is today, it, it feels like it's even harder to kind of see three years out even, you know, uh, let alone the next six to 12. Well, well, Alan, I guess there's a lot of other remodelers listening to this. If you could leave them with some final words of wisdom or final piece of advice, what do you want to leave everyone with? <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Words of wisdom. I think I actually, what I would say is, you know, if you can, you know, if you're in, in if you're in the industry, I do think you need to be getting into real estate. And I never really thought there was a difference at any time, but it's like, I think, you know, owning your own house or, you know, however you can make it happen. I think it's just, especially in this country with the way the government kind of has it set up, you know, and the, and the financial structure for primary residents. I just think it's a very hard industry to be able to sell your business. And we have such a leg, a leg up on everyone else that we have the construction experience and construction knowledge. And I think not putting it into real estate is, is a, is a very, it's just an untapped piece of potential for like retirement or, or just financial stability. So that'd be my cool. two cents off the cuff without having to. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm a big believer in investing in real estate. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. And Alan, I appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Been fun. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.